Don't let nobody, I don't care about the double negatives here. That's how we talk to each other sometimes. Don't let nobody turn you around. And that, of course, refers to your mindset, to your mental health. Very, very important that you keep your head on straight. Yes, Gary just announced, and uh, I'm looking forward to a new time slot from 5 to 6 p.m. starting on Thursday. Um, it's going to be a new thing, but it's really, life isn't, you know, it doesn't really pose such stark new things. It's really versions of what you've known before, and I certainly have known that. I'm aware, as a compliment in a way, that I have built, I have built an audience. And that is your work. That's what you did. You loved the program, you supported the program, and through your actions, and certainly when it came time to fundraising, you were there. You were there, present and accounted for, and so the time we shared together uh, grew in value enormously. And it is the nature of the business that you sometimes give a handover to somebody new. And I, I like that. That's what I've been doing all my life, training people and helping people and helping organizations and institutions to grow and thrive. And so I look at it in that sense. I am very, very optimistic about getting more things done in the five to six, uh, six o'clock hour. And with you, with me as well, we just reassemble ourselves and continue the good work we have already begun. So I'll remind you at the, as the program goes on that we have that uh, phasing coming up this coming week, and we are going to just go ahead and do our business, letting nobody turn us around. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much. And I'm going to lean on you a little bit to pass the word around because uh, I know many of you are in groups that talk to each other quite regularly. And just on the off chance that they missed the announcement, you can pass the word around. And let's build even bigger and better in this phase that we're going through. And then hopefully there would be somebody to hand it over to say, okay. You're, you're on your own now. You've gotten all you need to be a tremendous success in radio. You've got an audience, a faithful and thinking audience, and it's up to you to make it even bigger and better. That's, that's my way of thinking. All my life I've been training without knowing that that's the work I was doing. <laughs> Well, it's been, you know, I've had it formalized as a journalism training program where it did one of the best in the nation. In the nation. It was an extraordinarily wonderful program and meaningful and purposeful and free. Never charged a penny. You, you must, however, demonstrate a very intense uh, sense of purpose in going through the program. And people who did, did very, very well. We have people working in all kinds of media outlets now. And uh, that's where they started. Because there was a vision that this was what was needed. It was a tough program. But it was an extraordinary program, and word got around, and suddenly we got people from all over the place wanting to visit. Uh, they heard about the program, what was it? Well, when they came, they saw uh, uh, just one room. That's all they had. A big enough room, 
And we were all in it together. And the, the side room, which I called an office, shared with another person. And uh, But we were serious about what we were doing. We were convinced that it had great value. And the results spoke for themselves. We never charged a penny. But we were very rigorous, very, very keen on discipline and, and your belief in yourself and your commitment to yourself to work hard to achieve things. So it's in that spirit that I just move a couple of hours away from you, but I'm here and we'll still be here holding hands as I hope we will continue to do. And uh, I'm encouraging you to support the people who are going to be uh, basically chaperoning that hour and make it meaningful for you and for them. That's really very important. And to support PRN in this effort because it is a way of giving new opportunities to people who don't have them now. It's a very strange industry. It practices, in some ways, some of the same awful practices of locking people out and favoring others and whatnot, but not being fair. And so a lot of very capable people are denied the experience of uh, taking their place and helping the growth of an institution. I believe very strongly in helping institutions grow. That's been essentially my life, my professional life. And I am delighted, I'm hoping to meet new friends in that hour and certainly welcoming old ones. Not old in age, okay? Not, not old, I'm not referring to your age. It's a, you put in time with us already. And it is a great joy to continue that relationship. We are old friends and we understand each other so well. And you've been very supportive, not only of the program, but of the station. And I am looking forward to you continuing in that role. Thank you so much. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Right now is just to let you know there will be a shift. Uh, not a dramatic, a drastic lift, uh, uh, shift, but a meaningful one because it gives somebody else the opportunity. I've tended the soil a little bit and I've you know, put in the nutrients and everything to grow it as best I can. And it is time. And we all have to uh, reckon with time. It is time to hand it over to somebody else looking for opportunity, looking to make his or her contribution. And it may be even more spectacular than what we had before with each other. So I am optimistic and I will cheer whoever comes in. I don't know yet. Um, they're still looking. I'm still interviewing people. But I think it will be a really good change uh, for everyone. But I am also certain that you're not going to leave me and I'm not going to leave you. <laughs> we just have to time. We just have to fix the clock a little bit and we back to the way we used to be, which was a wonderful way, which still remains for me a very wonderful way. You've been a source of strength and inspiration and, of course, your generosity. Your generosity speaks volumes and I think is a main part of why I'm sitting here talking to you today. I've told that story before. I had no hope. I was given no hope for my medical condition, which I didn't cause, but it happened. And you surrounded me with your love, your support, your resources, your encouragement, your generosity, 
and of course your friendship. Oh, that did that did it. That was a magic ingredient. You were concerned about me genuinely, and it pulled me through. It continues to pull me through. I'm speaking to you now, having completed my morning visit with my local therapist, who, who hasn't said it yet, but he thinks I'm crazy, because he said he, he did not, he has not yet seen, and he's been around for quite a while, he had not yet seen someone so cheerful in such a really precarious situation. I said, well, I got great friends, and I would be insulting them if I am not cheerful and hopeful and optimistic. I would be insulting them for the investment they have made in me, and I owe it to everyone to pass it along to be as generous and as open and as optimistic about the future as I am right now. Okay. Hide your handkerchiefs. We don't need to see them. <laughs> After that tear-filled speech. It's lead stories, of course, and welcome. Uh, we continue the discussion that we had yesterday about Donald Trump. Not because he's important himself, I would question that, but because he occupies an important slot in the history of the United States. He was a former president, as you know, seeking to be president again. He's a very, people would say he's a complex man. I doubt so. I don't think he's that complex. I think people have created a persona in Donald Trump that really didn't exist, or more frankly, that doesn't need to exist. We don't need people like that, especially in the nation's highest elected office. So, we're going to continue our discussion. We got somewhere with it, but I put a little bit of elastic so that people can stretch out a little bit and complete their thoughts and presentations. And so I'm making up for it today. Uh, we will open it up when we open discussion and debate. Uh, what is your thinking? Will Trump be dumped? That's the discussion we're going to continue today. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. You know it by heart. You know it in your sleep. 888-874-4888. And let's hear what you're thinking and why you're thinking it. It's very interesting. It's not just what you're thinking. What leads you to think it? What are the component parts of your opinion. That's, to me, more fascinating than anything else. 888-874-4888. Let's move it along. Who's that? All right, first up is Deborah from Harlem. Deborah from Harlem, you're on the air. Hello, Deborah. Technical, you tree. Hello. I'm so glad that you tree. <laughs> Yeah. Hello. Hi, yes, I'm here. Um, uh, can you hear me? Yes, a little muffled, but we're hearing you. Good. Okay, wonderful. I am so grateful that you and I both have made a complete resuscitation. And oh. I also wanted to add, I met you through Norwich University Extension Program at Bank Street. And you, I wanted to work with you at um, City Sun. But when I was going to Bank Street, I was in my first trimester of pregnancy. I had two children and I needed to work. Now, Bank Street was designed off of 
a block grant that was designed for working people who had to work, but they were going to give them an opportunity to get an undergraduate degree, which I got sociology as my major and psychology as my minor. But even though the people that were beneficial and were able to work with you at City Sun, there were those of us like myself that I already had two children and was pregnant and representing the Black Liberation Army because that's where I rest. <laughs> what was wrong with you at the time? I was joyful. I'm still joyful because just like you say, our brothers are running and they're joyful and strong. They're stronger than these eunuchs out here. And I cannot, like you, not be joyful and enjoy every breeze. But I am saying 40 years later because my center is in the soul of my people. And we have yes. never been free as, as the Plymouth Rock fell on us. So Donald Trump was then, and he is now. And the beautiful thing about I love black people is our rhythm and our tenacity of the law. And to have the United States say, we the people, and no matter what you say, Donald Trump, from here to Plymouth Rock, to the future, out to the universe, we exist without your approval. Amen. For centuries. Amen. And you're not going to take our joy. Okay. You will not. All right. Okay. All right. And I am still kicking Nitra's butt. And hopefully by September, they will, I'm getting, you know, because everybody of them, they have a job, they can go on vacation. But I got them in the crosshairs and they will lose. So I'll report back to the family. Um, you know, Thank after you. the the boule come from vacation. <laughs> the progressive, you know, tell them I'm grassroots, baby. Vacation is under the tree in front of my uh, project apartment, and she's magnificent. Okay. Well, I right, thank then. you so you much for this call, because you just added the... Uh, Quite a few years to my lifespan with this call. No, I'm really saying Thank you. Come on now. Look, <laughs> look, we got to play that senior citizen because they don't care about women and they don't care about black women. They don't care about white women. They don't care about any woman. But at least they're funding the idea of senior citizens. So what? Hey, come in, do your work. Uh, follow the law, uh, do not abuse women, and definitely do not abuse senior citizens. And I'm here to demand you follow the law. All right. Uh, say, let the church say amen. Amen. How do I take the top of the tree? <laughs> the fool, baby, but we ain't really fools, okay? Thank you for calling in and contributing that, not only as a statement that you made, but also the mindset with which you've given. Thank you so much. My grandmother's name is Jewel Friedman. And that show, they took all of our land in Cortland, Virginia. Robert E. Lee decimated the men in my family. But they did not decimate the soul of the woman. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you for this call today. You just added a a, a couple of decades to my life this morning. (laughs) We hanging on together, you trees. Look, you and I are the same age. I did a scorp like me. Okay, then. That's all it takes. You got to go on Based off us, we turn into a bigger diamond. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you so much for contributing and for starting things off in the right direction. I don't want anybody to get Deborah uh, flummoxed in that she set the tone, stick with it at 888-874-4888. Who's up next? We got Henry from Chicago. Henry from Chicago. You need to ask him a couple of ID questions. What's your name? <laughs> oh, okay. We're doing background checks now, huh? <laughs> Hi, Henry. How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Uh, You're doing better than hanging in there. You've got a job that pays you well, that makes you get a house and provides for your family and yourself. You've got uh, backing uh, in your family and a lot of friends. You've got a lot of stuff going for you. You're not just hanging in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, I will accept that. <laughs> okay. All right. But... How how did how are you how did you have me go behind that call? Uh, you like how do I follow up? I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. I had to go behind the call myself. <laughs> I had to work my way up to be worthy of that call. So there you go. And then you called behind that call. So everybody's following the same instructions. <laughs> well, um, I guess. Going back to the topic of Donald Trump, and if I think you asked the question yesterday if he would win the nomination. Oh, oh, you, you before I start, uh, your show will be changing at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Is that correct? Oh, Lord. Why are you making my life so difficult? I barely know what time it is in my time zone now. So, uh, yes, it would be the same time zone. Okay, so That's you different. said 4 or 5 o'clock. <laughs> how do you like how I fudged that answer there? Did I do good? <laughs> okay, I'll just have to catch you whenever you're on. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll tell people what's going on before okay. the shift occurs. So, so Donald Trump, um, I think you asked the question yesterday if Donald Trump was going to, uh, is, is it a possibility that he could not win the Republican nomination? Is, is that, 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 that's the question on the table? Yes. Would he be dumped is the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would, would he be dumped? Um, I don't think he'll be dumped uh, because I think he still has a, uh, swell of support uh, from, you know, the Republican base. Uh, many people thought that, you know, uh, the the Florida governor, uh, DeSantis, was going to overthrow him, but he's already starting off uh, behind in the polls. And in a lot of cases, polls don't really mean much, but at the same time, it's, it's a significant, uh, it's a significant uh, gap between him and Trump. Uh, so, yes. yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he, he would, you know, he would be dumped because he's such a, you know, he's such a, uh, you know, he's such a uh, compelling figure for the uh, Republican base. And uh, you know, I wanted to add because uh, yesterday Ed uh, talked about the climate of, you know, the political scene and how personalities are more. Uh, more in vogue now than, you know, say, uh, issues. And you had a caller uh, yesterday right before Marcus, and Marcus actually uh, said something yesterday that, 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 that I, that, you know, that I tend to agree with, where he was talking about the caller before uh, in regards to also touching on um, the problem of why politics is the way it is because um, the caller before, and I can't remember his name, but you know, Neil. he was, you know, he That's was, Neil uh, from Connecticut. Neil, Neil from Connecticut. From Connecticut. Oh, Neil from Connecticut. And, you know, he was, you know, he was, he was kind of campaigning for, 
RFK Jr. and and Dr. Yes. Cornell. He, he wasn't kind of. He was openly campaigning <laughs> for, for RFK. That was, that was, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, and, 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 and that's fine. You know, and, and, and you know, I've, I've expressed this before. I like Dr. Cornell West. I listen to him a lot. Uh, but, you know, running for presidency, it was kind of curious. Like, you know, why now? And uh, he had a very, you know, he had a very optimistic view of it. But, you know, just like, you know, with uh, what Marcus was kind of touching on, is, is that we don't understand the reality of politics today. You know, we could talk about how great these men are and how moral they are and, you know, how much they are men of faith. And I'm a person of faith myself. But I don't think, and, 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 and I think this is, and, you know, I might be wrong, but I think he was getting at if we get somebody morally correct, then this country will, you know, shift into a moral compass behind them. And I don't think that at all, even though I'm a person of faith. I think in, a, in, a, in an opposite sense, I think God is going to condemn America. <laughs> and it doesn't matter who's going to be the, the, the president. God is going to condemn America. And it's on the fall. It's, it's already on the fall, uh, as, as some callers have actually said already. America's already fallen. So the problem, too, and I agree with Marcus, is that we don't understand the realities of politics. And this is why Donald Trump, to me, is going to not only win the Republican primary, I think he's going to win the presidency. Um, yes. I think they want well, thank yeah, you so much, Henry, for calling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's, now let me wow, you shocked me there. You shocked me. Do you think you're sounding very, dare I say, very evangelistic today? How come? Well, well, I mean, you know, like I said, Neil was kind of, you know, evangelistic, but I'm I'm on the opposite end of what he's talking about. He's very optimistic. I'm very pessimistic in regards to uh, this country being God's favorite country, which, you know, is a farce in, 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 in a sense because we don't act like uh, people of, uh, you know, of humanity when it comes to the rest of the world. But, you know, I, I, I think, too, that, you know, and, and I, let me preface this, too. I, I did predict, I did predict and predict wrongly that Donald Trump was going to beat Joe Biden in the 2020 election. However, I didn't factor in um, the COVID pandemic, you know, and the way Donald Trump handled, which I feel lost in the election. So I may be wrong again. I hope I'm not, because trust me, you trees, I take no solace in being right. <laughs> because most of the time, yes, when I'm you these do. It, yes, you do. You <laughs> take big time solace in being right. Come on, admit it. <laughs> but, but you trees, it's, it's just that, you know, I'm just viewing the political climate as it is right now. I understand. I'm just, I'm just needling you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and and I say this, in a, you know, I say this, you know, because you said that I'm, I'm saying this kind of like in an evangelical tone, but that's what politics is right now. It's like a religion now. It's like religion. It doesn't matter, like, like Donald Trump said this years ago when he was campaigning, he can shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square and still win the presidency. That, that is a, that, to me, that is, that is, Far more than a religion. That's a you know, it's a cult now. When you can still vote for a guy who would shoot somebody in Times Square and and still make him president. So that I guess that's where I make the connection at because it's yeah. yeah but what was the it? truth? What was the truth that he was telling straight to the people, but they weren't ready to hear it and make sense of what it is he was saying. Well, I think the truth, that should that truth, that that. that quotation should itself have destroyed his career, but it didn't. So how was he able to correctly read that he could talk like that, divulge his innermost feelings in that way, because he was certain he was talking to the right people, and the right people would be the ones who loved him and would vote for him. And they didn't. Yeah, and, and, and part of it, too, is, you know, the, the, the presidency of, of Barack Obama. Now, you know, he's not 
our favorite president just because he's black. But at the same time, this country, especially white America, was very, I would say, you know, very upset at this black president sitting in the White House. And I think it was more of a backlash towards, you know, Donald Trump's presidency was more of a backlash towards, you know, having a having a man of color in the White House for eight years. Uh, and I think Donald Trump, uh, well, I wouldn't say Donald Trump, but his campaign took advantage of that. They fed into the worst why if you understand and accept the history of the United States as it is, why wouldn't you go for it? If you could make points, even if it's a bad way to make points, but if you could make points, and this is a dog-eat-dog fight on for the top office of the uh, the United States, do you, do you think that people will be careful and and, you know, be be nice and polite. And, no, they want to win, and they'll do anything to win. That's what Trump did to win. And that's been a benchmark of his in that he, he fights dirty because he is dirty. He's a dirty guy. You expect him to rid himself of all that dirt that he's accumulated over the years, taught by his father, who built the nation's first all-white enclave in New York City. In New York City, right there next to the airport. Mm -hmm. He would not allow anybody who did not sign a legal document saying that if it comes to having to move and they have to sell the house, they swear by everything holy they will never sell to a person of color. That's it. That's Daddy Trump. And, and so he was indoctrinated that early in life. Exactly. And, and, and I will always say this. Trump exemplifies the typical American. When you talk about the capitalist American, when you talk about the racist American, he exemplifies all of those qualities. And that is why when he said that he could shoot somebody in the middle of Times Square and still win the presidency, that is why he won. Because he plays on those typical features of white America. And wouldn't, wouldn't if it were you, wouldn't you play on the, uh, the, the, the numbers and the figures that pertain to a particular constituency that you are banking on to support you? Wouldn't you do that? Well, it, 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 is it, so, it is so important that he played on it. it is, what is expected? His father did. His grandfather did. His name, it, it, they even changed his name from Trump to Trump. Okay, that's how serious they were about playing this game. They got it. The yeah, question but, but he, is, why, what permitted all these people to, in, in mass, change their attitudes to be in line with Trump. What was that? Because I think, like I said, I think this is what America is. I think everybody oh. thinks that, you know, what are we, this, you know, like, you know, like I was just saying a few minutes ago, people are failing to look at the reality of what this country is. And I think that's what America really is. And that's why Trump was able to play off of it. People think that this country is is such a bastion of humanity, and this is the, the best society that, that humankind has ever, you know, been to, and, and black folks and, and other non-white people in this country should be thankful that they live in this country and they don't live in some third-world country where they're poor and destitute, and they play off of this narrative of United States being the best country in the world when, in fact, it's not. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. you concentrating on the wrong question. Any system of brainwashing will work if the people you're targeting have exhibited certain traits 
that will more than likely succeed at being brainwashed than others. It's as simple as that. Hmm. It's not magic. It's not science. It's, it's there in front of you. Black people were voting for the wrong side since, you know, the early stages of the formation of this country, siding with the people who aiming guns at them and killing them. So it, that's the question. What makes people do that? Take a leave of their senses. And, and force themselves to accept a reality that isn't they've created in their heads or they transported from outside into their heads and it becomes what they believe. That explains uh, many of the main religions today. What person in his right mind would adopt uh, a membership or take out membership in most religions today if they understood the history and the consequence who would do that? You literally have to be out of your mind. And that's what they've been cultivating for many, many years. Cultivating people that they would come back to and own and then direct their lives through so-called government. And they will set the rules of how everybody, quote-unquote, should live. They're controlling everything. And we we doing great at following the rules as established for us. We're following the rules. I mean, that's where the numbers show. You, Trace, I want to I want to ask you something before I close out. Um, do you think? And, and 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 I'm thinking about the you know the questions that you always bring about third you know third parties and why they don't succeed. And one of the things I always say is is that they you know we don't put the work behind it. We don't put the work and the time behind building these third-party uh, third, uh, third politics because we focus too much on electoral politics instead of the other political uh, uh, aspects that, that third-party you know, uh, groups should be working on. But do you think it's more of just we just don't know or we're just, we just don't want to do the work? It could be everything. And it could be none of the above, because by this time, we, the, the, the black people in this country, the brown people in this country, Asians and, and, and whoever else we bring into this herd, they all know the rules. And we all know the consequence of not abiding by the rules. We know there are consequences. And sometimes they become for us self-fulfilling prophecies. They know that. They've been conditioned for over centuries to know and to recognize the power, the awesome power of the state. It could do all kinds of things to you and get away with it. It is very powerful. We, in response, have, for, more, for the most part, we've powered, we, we've, you know, run and hidden someplace when we should be acting against these things. But I understand fear. Fear is a really incredible deterrent. Mm-hmm. And we understand how they arbitrarily confiscated thousands and thousands of acres of land and how they conducted murderous rapes and murderous attacks in certain communities simply to terrorize. We get all of that. Still, it's not like we have run out of ideas. But we have in many cases, become subservient to the, to the stuff being preached about us, and we become part of the self-fulfilling prophecy. They don't have to work anything. They don't have to do anything to scare us. 
We scared already. We teach our children to be scared. We teach our children it's better to be inferior than to be exceptional. Exceptionalism includes warrantless attacks on you. It could kill you. So we are in that phase of trying to build or rebuild confidence, all the good traits that we admire and deserve, frankly, because we have understood for centuries the consequences of perhaps even inadvertently getting people on the other side of the coin upset. The burning of entire cities. We just had the anniversary the other day. They burned the whole city and nothing happens. And nothing was expected to happen, really. Several cities. Because, yes. <laughs> so we have a unique history in that respect that sometimes when people did get the courage and did stand for something, they also understood they were putting their lives on the line. They understood that. They would not come home. They will even be forgotten. To keep their memories alive would be considered blasphemous. They, they're not, not, nobody's supposed to even remember they existed. So that's the country we were raised in. That's the country we know. Well, the, those people that we're supposed to remember, they're also inverting their history as well. Sure. <laughs> you know. When you are in control and wrongfully in control, you also have fear that one day people may wake up and find the truth and act on it. You don't want that. Folks believe it's a one-way street. It is not. It's a two-way street. The person who commits these acts has reason to fear, has reason to fear. In, in the same way, the person vowing to commit these acts is also fearful. It's not just on one side. Utrees, his call dropped, so we should go to the next caller. Thanks, Henry, for calling. Thank you so much for calling in today. 888-874-4888. Look where these discussions take us. Into very, very deep philosophical discussions. I love it. Who's up next? Next is Dante from Bridgeport, Connecticut. From Bridgeport, Connecticut. You're on the air. Hey, good morning. Uh, good afternoon, you trees. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Listen, I, I just wanted to weigh in on this Donald Trump thing. You guys have been, you know, discussing this thing now for a couple of weeks now. And the one thing... No, I not a couple of weeks. Yet. Not a couple of weeks, but we've talked about it. Yes. Well, okay. But the one thing that people seem to miss, right? Donald Trump is a master at the art and the skill of manipulating people, understanding and manipulating people. He's been doing it all his life. And this is but why he's not he a master. This is where I disagree with you. Donald Trump is not a master. Donald he, he Trump has had no opposition from the people who are supposed to be keeping track of these things, called the media. He's gotten the most sympathy I've seen in, in a long, long time. From a media that how did he looking at him with with a lot of uh, microscopes and uh, they're not. But how did he do that? This is the thing. He's Who cares? He's Who cares? How did he do that? Do you care how he did it? Are you studying him to emulate how he did it? No. It is enough to me that you could recognize. That he's done it. He's succeeded at it. 
Now what? Right. And how and how has he done it? He's been a master of it. You're, you're trying but to no, denigrate he's not him. A ma- Look, don't, 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 elevate. As I say, don't pee on me and tell me he's raiding. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> man has been around for 50 years. You don't do that so by what? luck. You don't, you so don't get the what? media to way by luck. This man has been rubbing elbows with some of the top leaders of the world. You don't just do that by happenstance. Even so, you so got, what? You see, even so, the media, uh, uh, they're supposed to have uh, a clear vision of what it is they're yes, reporting no. on. Yes, they're not no. supposed you, to be I, automatic I, servants I, of people. But and you know, in fact, you they know, serve the public by giving them the truth. Which media could you say we all has agree. given you the unvarnished truth about Donald Trump? Go ahead. Tell me. But listen, we all understand. No, 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 no. Answer the question. Which medium has given you, in your opinion, your own opinion, the unvarnished truth as regards Donald Trump, which none of them, and and okay, and, amen. They have amen. Guess what? But guess what? We haven't got the unvarnished truth about any of these politicians. Bill Clinton. That's not Hillary the point. Clinton. That's not. I didn't ask about any politician. I asked about a specific guy who was. President of the United States, who desires to be president again, despite his indictments, despite the fact that the feds are looking at him, despite all of these act, uh, uh, charges against him, the 37-count indictment, I read it right here on this program. I'm making it up. Right. But listen, he but should listen, not, by listen, any definition, qualify for public office. How, how- the media has exposed all that to us. How do we? How well, else do please. we know about it? How well, else do we know about it? Let's say, let's say I go along with. Let's say I agree with you. Let's say the media has said everything that needs to be known about Donald Trump. Then what's your excuse? No, I didn't. No, no, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. What I am trying to tell you is the reason why they don't do that is because of his ability to manipulate them. We, but we are not, I'm not concerned about any alleged ability that Donald Trump has. I have spoken at length, however, about his many disabilities. One is, he is just averse to any version of truth. He is dishonest. He lies. Even his own family would tell him, tell you that. Ask the woman who used to be married to him. They'll tell you that. He's dishonest. He's a liar. Let me ask you this, you <laughs> Who called Obama to the to the carpet when he lied about Obamacare? Which which media outlet came out? And even when he was caught, but that's lying, not the role of the media. The media. But here's the thing: no, you are trying to assign them. blame, and I am not. I'm trying to go after clarity. I want clarity. I'm not interested in assigning blame to Trump or anybody else. I'm looking at the record. The records that say clearly this is what is happening. This is what has happened. This is why he's been charged. That's on the record. Who do you want clarity from? Who should be providing the clarity? I mean, who should be? You should provide your own clarity. You should be reading and studying. You should have a historical version of what's going on in your life. You can start there. It's nobody's job to educate you. Wait, 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 wait. Reading what, Eudrice? Tell me what I should be reading. The media outlets? Here's what I would would give you a point-blank answer. When was the last time you've been to the Schomburg Library? I've never been. Amen! Amen. I'm sorry? Amen. I'm sorry? You've never been to the Schomburg Library? I've never visited, no? 
The Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture started by one man. Uh, how, how did we get to this? <laughs> we were talking about the media and Trump's responsibility. Now we're on Schomburg Library. I mean, I, what are you trying to do here? You're obfuscating the, the, the topic here. Just admitted, you've never been to the Schomburg Library, and it's not just the Schomburg. I'm reading that as any library specializing in the collection of research and articles and literature and everything, documentation of the black experience. Here's a library built by a, a man out of his own pockets. He got money, the little bit of change that he got, and built a library. And people still tell me today they've never been to the Schomburg Library to research anything. And yet, it is an international repository of the black experience. You can't be serious. How am I supposed to take you serious, seriously when you don't take seriously your own history? It's not even worth a special trip to go see it and use the resources of that. When I was a student working part-time in a bank, I asked for transfer to Harlem. The bank I was looking at Transferring to was right across the street from the Schomburg, and everybody knew where I was when on, on, on break, on lunch, or whatever. I'm in the Schomburg. I've been held a couple of fundraisers for the Schomburg, so devoted. I thought I ought to be to a man who had the presence of mind and the generosity of spirit to safeguard something of the black experience. People are arguing, uh, when have you been to the library? A library, specifically to research black culture, and you tell me no, and give me a break. you got to qualify. Sorry. That brings us to the end of our program today. I thank you very much for your very animated responses. I love them for one reason, one reason only. And that is because they are true. They reflect your true thoughts, your true feelings. Not being, you know, uh, cosmetic. You want to know. You have a point of view. That's good too, whether we agree or not. I want to know that you have invested something in your thoughts and opinions. So we meet up again tomorrow and continue the discussion. All right? Bye-bye.